joining me this evening for week number nine of our video programming on Sunday evenings due to our social distancing. My name is Mike Elstock. I'm pastor of the Community Baptist Church, and we gather in South Riding, Virginia, when we're able to meet. But uh, these last nine weeks, we've been gathering wherever we could find a media screen and tune in to YouTube or our a church Facebook page, and I'm glad you're here with us today. There's still a big question mark out over when churches in Loudoun County are going to be permitted to go back to in-person services without a 10-person limit on each event. Uh, we don't know exactly when that's going to happen. It's possible that it'll happen in two weeks after Governor Northam's extension for two weeks for Loudoun County and four other northern Virginia counties, but we will uh, keep working and preparing uh, for our uh, reopening, and I trust that you'll pray with us that God will give us wisdom as we work and prepare for the reopening of our Sunday morning in-person service. Until that happens, we're going to continue uh, working to minister uh, in a variety of ways, wonderful techniques and tools that God has allowed us to have uh, every week and almost every day. Uh, Community Baptist Church is working to minister to people through children's ministries, Sunday school classes, adult Bible studies, uh, prayer meetings, uh, daily Bible devotions. There's just a number of things we've been doing, and uh, we're uh, so grateful for the opportunities that God has given to us in all of these ways. Now, I'd ask you to do one more thing other than just praying for us, which is the most important, but also um, help us to meet new people through social media. Go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel, like our Facebook page, share the page if you're on Facebook watching this program tonight, and uh, I trust that others might join in and enjoy uh, a few moments in the Word of God this evening. Well, this week we're focusing on God as the great contrast in life. This morning we introduced the title, But God. It's a phrase that we find throughout the Old and New Testament. It's a phrase of contrast. But God enters into the scene and things change. We find God is the great agent of change in our world. And so this morning in the morning message we saw... But God saves, but God strengthens, but God heals, but God brings good out of bad, but God leads in strange directions, and but God intervenes with judgment when that's the appropriate measure as he deals with his creation. Well, this evening we're going to continue the thought of but God, but rather than topically go through uh, some additional areas of life in which God is an, uh, introduces change. I want us to go back to a psalm where we find this phrase. It's actually the psalm that, that started my heart and mind meditating on God as a change agent in our world. And I've been reading this psalm and thinking about this psalm this week, and, uh, and it introduced my heart to what became the morning message this morning. And I want you to turn with me to Psalm 49. Do you have a Bible there handy? Do you have your Bible near? Go ahead and pull out your Bible. Open your Bible up to Psalm 49. 
And I want us to look at this amazing psalm in which the psalmist is sharing his meditations of God as the great change agent in life. And so, uh, have you got your Bible? Psalm 49. I want to introduce you to this precious psalm for a few moments this evening. In the opening four verses of this psalm, we find a universal truth that many miss out. Well, let me phrase it this way. The psalmist says that he's going to introduce us to a universal truth. Universal truth is that God is the change agent. How does he introduce this universal truth? Well, he calls together all people. This is universal. In verse number one, hear this, all ye people. Give ear all ye inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. Then will I open, I will incline my ear to a parable. I will open my dark sayings upon the harp. So you get the picture here. The psalmist has pulled out his harp and he begins to strum the harp and make music. And to the beautiful music of the harp, he is going to talk about a universal truth that many people miss out on. They don't focus on. They're not aware of. He calls it a dark saying. He says he's going to open his ear to a parable. He talks about this as the meditation of his heart with understanding. And so the psalmist is going to introduce us to a universal truth that applies to everybody. High, low, rich, poor, everybody needs to learn this truth. And to make it palatable, he puts it to the beautiful music of the harp as he sings this truth and encourages people to meditate and understand this parable and grasp this dark saying that so many people don't understand. Well, what's he going to talk to us about? Well, he asks a question, and the question is going to turn into a lesson. Verse number 5, the psalmist introduces from his own personal experience, he says, Wherefore should I fear? What do I have to be afraid of? Why shall I fear? And then in verse number 16, he turns it into a lesson and says, Be not thou afraid. Now what began as a question, Why should I be afraid? Becomes a lesson, Don't you be afraid. What is it the psalmist is afraid of? What is it that he will teach us a lesson to help us not be afraid? The psalmist is afraid of death and the results of death. Our world has been, uh, has been advertising death every day, uh, multiple times every day for the last eight weeks. We're told how many people have died in the world, how many people have died in the United States, how many people have died in our state. Uh, we have death constantly being uh, paraded in front of us, fear, the danger, uh, all the precautions we need to take because we fear 
death. He's going to talk in Psalm 49 about the grave. He's going to talk about the status of man after the grave. And he says as a question to himself, why am I afraid? Why should I fear in the days of evil when the iniquity of my heels compass me about? The psalmist, as it were, looks down at his feet and sees the evil of life and the problems of life and the dangers of life surround him. He is surrounded by danger. He knows that there is the danger of losing his life continually. And he asks himself the question, why am I afraid? Why should I be afraid? What is there to fear in this day of evil when the iniquity of my heels compasses me about, surrounds me on every side? The psalmist asks the question, why should we be afraid? Now, the psalmist introduces us to the thought that those who are alive on earth, many of them live for all they can get now. Life consists of what I have within my grasp and experience today. Today is life. Life is about what I have today. It's what I can enjoy, what I can buy, what I can do. Life is today. And the psalmist begins to paint a picture of those who fear death because they view life as the essence of today. Notice how he does this. In verse number 6, the psalmist says, They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. He introduces us to the majority of people whose confidence and trust is wrapped up in their bank accounts, their 401k, their, uh, their profession and job, their, uh, their annual income, their wealth is what life is all about. They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. Now think about that for a moment. The psalmist is going to ask the question, or has asked, and is going to answer the question, what am I to be afraid of? And he recognizes that the majority of people do have something to be afraid of. They have death to be afraid of. They have the grave to be afraid of because their life consists of what they can buy and enjoy today. They have wealth and they trust their wealth. They boast in their riches, and yet the psalmist says, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him, that he should still live forever and not see corruption. Now, if you were reading along with me in your Bible, you noticed I skipped verse 8. Verse 8 is a parenthesis. When I run across a parenthesis in my Bible as I'm studying, I will often set the parentheses off to the side and read the sentence without the parentheses to get the main thought that God is conveying. Once I have the main thought, then I go back and I put the parentheses back in to understand the sideline issue that is added into the main thought. Well, let's do that. 
verse number six, verse number seven rather says, none of them, the, the wealthy that boast in their riches, the, that trust in their wealth, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him that he should not that he should still live forever and not see corruption. The wealth does the wealthy doesn't have enough money to pay God to add uh, uh, immortality to his brother, someone he loves, someone that means the world to him. The wealthy person with all of his bank accounts, with all of his wealth that he's trusting in and boasting in. There isn't enough money to be able to buy off God to keep a person from dying so that they'll live forever and never see corruption or never physically die. There's just not enough money. No wealthy person can ever do that. Now look at the verse number 8. That's the parentheses. For the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceaseth forever. You know what's precious? It's not what we do while we live inside our bodies before our bodies cease corruption. What is precious is not our life on earth. What is precious is the redemption of our soul. And yet for those who have trusted their wealth and boasted in their riches, they don't have enough money to pay God off to bring their loved ones into eternity of immortality without ever seeing corruption. And, and it's, it, when they put their emphasis on now, when they live for today, the preciousness of eternal life is going to cease forever. And they'll never enjoy that. What is the psalmist saying? He's saying, that there are those who ought to fear death because it's the end. There is nothing after death. God has not redeemed their soul. They don't have a relationship with God whereby they have paid a ransom price and received immortality from God. They're trusting their money. They're boasting in their wealth. Uh, they're living for life here and now. Get all the gusto you can get. It's all about today. They have every reason to fear getting the virus and dying because there's nothing beyond that for them to enjoy. And so the psalmist says there are those who trust their wealth and their, and their position even. Verse number 12 says, Nevertheless, man being in honor abideth not. The, the honor that the wealthy get when people know that uh, they've got jets and they drive fancy automobiles, they live in mansions, they live, they live an exorbitant lifestyle, they're wealthy, they're, they are honored for their accomplishments or what they have in life. Some worked hard to get there, others inherited it, some stole it, but they're all honored. They're honored because of what they've got. And their wealth and their honor is not going to abide forever. And so they ought to fear death. Because all they've got is what they've got here and now for a little while. Their trust in wealth and their position of honor is not going to exist forever. But they don't know that. They don't think that way. Verse number 11, the psalmist says, their inward thought is this, 
that their house shall continue forever. Their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. They put their name up on their buildings. They put their name up on their product line. They put their name up on their business. They live as if their houses are going to last forever. Generation after generation forever, they will have honor. They will have enjoyment. They will enjoy the wealth that they boasted in and the honor that their, that their wealth earned for them. That's how they think. That's what they believe, that it's going to go on. But the reality is, verse number 7, none of them can by any means redeem his brother. The reality is, uh, we, we see in verse number seven, uh, verse number 10, for he seeth that the wise man die, likewise the fool and the brutish person perish, and leave their wealth to others. The reality is that everyone's going to die. And what they accumulated on earth, the wealth they accumulated on earth, it's just going to go to somebody else. And somebody else will get the stuff that they had. Verse number 14 says, Like sheep, they are laid in the grave. Death shall feed on them, and the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning. And their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling. See, the reality is no one's going to live forever. Everyone's going to die. And the glory doesn't live forever. Nevertheless, man, verse 12 says, Nevertheless, man, being in honor, abideth not. He is like the beasts that perish. It comes to an end. And the glory and the honor is gone forever. The psalmist says anyone who thinks that the things that they're enjoying now on, on earth, in this life, is what life is all about and it's going to last forever, Anyone who thinks that way is foolish. Verse number 13 says, This their way is folly. The way they think, the way they live, the way they uh, live for stuff and for money and for trinkets and, and for the enjoyment of this world. This is, to think that way is folly. This their way is folly. Yet their posterity approve their sayings. The ones who, uh, who uh, laud them, the ones who honor and praise them because of how much money they've gotten and how they live luxurious lives and all the stuff they have, the ones who laud them and applaud them and honor them, they, those, those that, uh, uh, that continually speak highly of them, uh, they continue on the entire life of that individual praising them and honoring them. And yet, that honor abides not. It's not going to last. It ends when the person goes into the grave and their body is consumed with corruption. That's the reality. You see, there, there, there are a lot of people who live life for today. For what I can get out of today, the money I've got, the enjoyment I've got, the entertainment I've got, the stuff I can buy, the things I can do in this world. And the psalmist says, we ought, if that's the way we think, we ought to fear death. 
the virus ought to scare us to death. Because if the virus gets us and we die, then what was the point of living? We ought to fear death because there's nothing beyond death for those who live for money and entertainment and the thrills of this world and have no knowledge of the redemption of their soul and being able to live with God forever. Well, that's where the change agent comes in. Verse number 15 is the big change agent. But God! But God! Why would I fear death? The psalmist asked back in verse number 5. Why would I fear death? There are many that have every reason to fear death because death is going to rob them of everything that was important to them. But why should I fear death? Because I met the change agent. I met God. And, but God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. And then that little musical rests Selah, which means stop and think about that before you go on. You see, the psalmist had a relationship with God. Life wasn't money. Life wasn't entertainment and things and trinkets and all that I can get to myself now on this earth. That's not what life was all about. The psalmist knew there was something on the other side of the grave. And he knew that what was on the other side of the grave is what life is all about. That's what meaning is all about. That's what he lived for. And so he said, why should I be afraid in this day of evil when I'm compassed about with all of the dangers of this world? Why would I be afraid? This is not what my life is all about. What my life is all about begins when I die. Because I met the change agent. God will, will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. The grave will not have victory over me. He will redeem me from the grave and uh, resurrect me from the grave. For he shall receive me. Oh, there's no need to fear if you're living for what's on the other side of the grave. If that's what you're living for, then you'll be able to say with the Apostle Paul when he said, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Which is better, to stay here and serve Christ or to go be with Christ? It's a win-win. I'm not afraid of death. It only introduces me to what I've been living for. And that is the relationship I have with my Creator. Bought and paid for that I might be redeemed. You know, redemption is a purchase. You go into the store and you redeem your cash for a commodity. When the psalmist said, God will redeem my soul, he said that when my body dies... God will redeem my soul from death, from the grave. What is God going to use to purchase the soul? What is the price that God has that is valuable enough to buy the soul of a human being? <laughs> the Bible tells us that that redemption money is the blood of Jesus Christ who went to the cross of Calvary and 
sacrificed his life as an offering. His blood was poured out. His, he died on the cross as the redemption price for my soul. And the Bible says that it's through faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ as my Redeemer that my soul can be purchased by the blood of Christ and I can have victory over the grave and God will receive me unto Himself because of the redemption of the purchased possession, my soul, by the price of the life and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Oh, the psalmist said, I have no need to fear death, though death compass me about, though there's danger on every side, though it is a day of evil, and it is a time when most people are fearing death because they're living for what they have in this life. And when they die, it's all gone. The psalmist said, I have no fear to fear of death because I'm living for what happens when I die. And my soul is redeemed from the grave. So the psalmist turns this into a lesson for you and I. We who are Christians, we who have a relationship with our Creator through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. God says to us in verse 16, Be not thou afraid when one is made rich and when the glory of his house increaseth. When you see the rich and the famous get richer and richer, they live ungodly lives, they live immoral, wicked lives. The majority of them live for a sensual life in this present world And God says to the saved, don't be envious of them. Don't don't be afraid of, of every time they get a promotion or they buy another yacht or their their riches are increased and they buy another mansion. For when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. At the grave, the most wealthy of people has become poverty-stricken. And somebody else has all of that wealth that they live for. And when they die, they die like a dog. And they have absolutely nothing. For when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. All of the fame All of the fortune, all of the prestige, all of the honor, all of the autographs, all of the sparkling lights, all the glitter will not go with them into the grave. Somebody else will get it all and they will go alone, poverty stricken, into eternity with no relationship with God. The psalmist is saying, don't be afraid. Those who live for this life, leave this life with absolutely nothing. Though while he lived, he blessed his soul, and men will praise thee when thou doest well to thyself. Even while you're alive, and you get all of that glory, He shall go to the generation of his fathers. They shall never see light. They'll be in the blackness of darkness forever, as the Bible describes it. 
There's no sense in envying the rich and the famous. Oh, they've got a lot now, but they won't have it very long. And they're enjoying the autographs and the prestige and the glory, but it won't last long, and it'll all be gone. But God, the change agent, when He comes into our life, when we're born again, when we are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, when we have been redeemed by His blood and escaped the power of the grave and are received into the family of God, we have everything to look forward to because it all begins when we die. The best is yet to come. What's the moral of the story? The last verse of the psalm gives us the moral of the story. Man that is in honor and understandeth not is like the beast that perished. The person that lived with great honor in this world but doesn't understand the reality of what life is all about. Dies like a dog and has nothing for all of eternity. Man that that is in honor and understandeth not. What do you mean understandeth not? What doesn't he understand? He doesn't understand the change agent in verse 15. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. There's light. God is the God of light. Those who die without God, they shall never see light, verse number 19 says. But for those who are received by God, they're received into the kingdom of light, into a glorious eternity. The reality is, that the most important thing in this world is our relationship to our Creator who changes our life away from the glitz and the glamour of a prestigious worldly life in this side of the grave and focuses our attention on the brilliance of the light of the family of God on the other side of the grave. And when we understand the reality That life is not about now. Life is about later. And it begins when we die. To those who understand the power of salvation, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, the offer of redemption when God said, Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God says, come and talk to me about what life is really all about. You don't believe in God? Well, let me ask you. How's it working out for you? You don't believe the Bible? You don't believe what I've shared with you tonight? Let me ask you. How's it working out for you? How do you feel when you watch the news broadcasts about another group that died today in your state or in America? How's life working out for you? The reality is that, that the best of what you can get out of life now is filled with turmoil and questions and struggles and guilt and uncertainty. And the only thing that brings 
understanding to where I came from, why am I here, where am I going to go when I die, how can I enjoy eternity? The only answer to the questions that are vital are the answers found in the Bible that revolve around Jesus Christ and His desire to redeem your soul so that you can have eternal life in His family with Him. And He invites you. He says, come now. Reason with me. Come, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And dear friend, whoever you are, if you're watching this program this evening, I want you to know God loves you and you can be saved today if you will put your faith and trust in the shed blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary and call out to Him to rescue you from your sin, to change your life, to be the change agent. And then in the future, you'll look back till today and you'll say, I was living my life and I was miserable and I was on my way to hell. But God, He is the amazing change agent for our lives. Oh, if I can help you know Him better. If I can help you come to peace with your Creator. I'd love for you to contact me here at Community Baptist Church. It would be my honor to try to help you Know the change agent who can make all the difference in your life. Thank you so much for joining me in the program this evening. I want you to know that next Sunday we'll be back with our our, our programmed services in place of in-person services. But next Sunday night we have a very special treat coming up. Next Friday, this upcoming Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we were scheduled to have Mark and Liz Rogers and their two children with us as our guests. They were going to sing. They were going to preach. They were going to just bring a, a three days of ministry and blessing to the Community Baptist Church family. And unfortunately, because of the, the social distancing and the in-person limit in church functions, but we, were, uh, we had to cancel their appearance. However... Mark is going to join me next Sunday night and he's going to play the piano. He's going to sing for us and he's going to share with me as we chat about life and things that are important in our lives. I hope you'll plan on being with us next uh, Sunday at 10 o'clock in the morning, 6 in the evening. And in the evening, we'll enjoy uh, Mark Rogers and who knows, maybe even Liz and the family. Uh, We'll see who all shows up on the video uh, call and we'll look forward to that. Thank you again for being with me. God bless you. Have a great evening and a good rest of holy hand, we pray. Let your kingdom Thank you for joining us for part of a Sunday service at Community Baptist Church. I hope to meet you soon. May God impress His love upon your heart this week. But restore.